Hello, Duck fans! Welcome back. Today we are bringing you a midweek episode, and we're continuing to talk about the 64 greatest college players of all time, as per ESPN. Yes, we're resurrecting March Madness. We are, in fact, planning on releasing the Midwest region today and the South region tomorrow, and then uh, having special guests to react to all of the information uh, so what you're in store for, if you haven't been paying attention uh, all week, is that uh, I do a rundown of stats and awards and uh, kind of all the college accolades. But rather than keep it just a stats dump, I try to include a, a bit of historical fun bits uh, here and there uh, to try and liven things up a little bit. And then on Friday, we should be uh, dedicating a whole show to discussing the results. So Go ahead and let us know. I'll tell you how to contact the show in a minute. But for now, I'm just going to reach down here and flip the switch. Touchdown! Freddie wins! The American in front, almost a cult of the United States. He's a sort of athletic beetle. Now wait a minute. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks, your daily source for info, updates, and analysis on your Oregon Ducks football and basketball. During this uh, Sports Apocalypse Coronavirus special, we are continuing to resurrect and bring back from uh, the cancellations uh, March Madness. And right now, we're going over ESPN's list of 64 greatest college players of all time. We've already done the West region and the East region, and today we're going to be doing the Midwest region and uh, the South region, excuse me, the South region tomorrow, and uh, then we're going to be reviewing the, the whole thing on Friday with special guests uh, to be named, a player to be named later. Just a note on these players, this is ESPN's uh, region so regional selection. There's not a whole lot of correlation between the teams and the regions necessarily. Uh, I think it was just a good way for ESPN to be able to get all these players into the conversation. And we're going to go ahead and break that down on Friday's show. We also got a lot of good stuff coming up next week. Another way we're going to be bringing you some entertainment and passing the time during this period of lockdown is we're going to be bringing on uh, special guests and uh, having conversations about some of our favorite players. For example, trying to get on cue from Locked On Raiders to talk about Marcus Mariota going over there. I'd like to do a whole show on Marcus Mariota if we could, one of Oregon's greatest. Also, uh, look forward to having former Oregon Duck and NFL tight end George Ragster on the show. Uh, huge influence, great mentor, great human being. Got a lot of good stuff to talk about with him, so we'll be doing that, so stay tuned for that. And uh, if you want to contribute anything, I really appreciate having listener involvement. I do like to think of this as the People's Podcast. Go ahead and reach out to me on Twitter with hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. If Twitter's not your thing, you can always look for me, Jordan Long, at uh, on Facebook. Uh, just look for the name Jordan Long. Find my picture. It says Locked on Ducks. It's the logo. You can just reach me there if Twitter's not your jam. If you do like Twitter, you can also follow me at the Dustoff Guy, and you can follow the show at Locked on Ducks. Please reach out to the show and... Let us know what you think of these college players. Is there anyone who's not on the list that you think should be on the list? Is there anyone 
uh, on the list who shouldn't be on it and vice versa. Uh, we are going to do a review of the selection of the 64 on Friday and then either over the weekend or next Monday uh, bring you a Final Four type selection or a whittling down of the brackets. So that should be really exciting. But now, on to the action. Uh, first up, in the Midwest region, we have the number one college basketball player in the Midwest region versus the number 16 player. And that's Bill Walton at number one against number 16, Steve Alford. Now, Bill Walton, a uh, personal hero of mine for a lot of reasons. Uh, I'll try not to get into too much uh, talk here. Everybody knows what a, what a great color commentator he is and his, his propensity to go on and on. Anyway, Bill played for the Bruins. Uh, from 1971 to 1974, he grew up wanting to play for UCLA and actually played for Coach Wooden. He was part of UCLA's two consecutive perfect seasons, going on an 88-0 win streak in total before losing. He scored uh, 44 points on 21 of 22 shooting in the 1973 NCAA championship game against Memphis State. As a freshman, and we're going to revisit this a lot because we got a lot of players from... Uh, back in the day, and oh, some a whole lot older than uh, Bill Walton, but uh, back in the day, freshmen were not eligible to play for the NCAA. Only varsity teams could uh, compete, and so freshmen at a lot of schools were not allowed to be on the varsity squad. Freshmen couldn't play in the NCAA tournament, so Bill Walton sat out his freshman year. He refused to cut his hair when he first got on the team. This is an interesting note, right? So he refused to cut his hair, but Wooden told him, you can't be on the team if you're not willing to play ball, so to speak. So, of course, he, he rode his bike on down to the barber shop and got it cut right away. He averaged 20 points per game, 16 rebounds per game, and had 65% career shooting in college. That is doggone phenomenal. He's also a three-time Nysmith Award winner, and along with Ralph Sampson, who we... Uh, talked about yesterday, he's only one of two players to ever win more than one uh, Nysmith trophy, and they both won the Ralph Sampson one. Uh, he was a, a three-time consensus national player of the year, and what's th what that means is he won all the national player awards, you know, AP, Nysmith, Wooden, uh, Nabsey, and, and so forth. Two-time NCAA champion. He was uh, twice the final foremost outstanding player, and uh, three times consensus All-American. He ended up being drafted first overall by the Trailblazers and led them to their only championship. And I only got one thing to say here. It's Rip City, baby. I would love to uh, talk more in depth about that on a future show. Uh, in 1979, he moved to the San Diego Clippers, right? Okay, who then became the uh, Los Angeles Clippers and then played for the Celtics for the final two years of his career. And if you want to catch Bill, you can see him on uh, announcing ball games, especially uh, during... Uh, the Ducks, uh, when the Ducks are playing, just so fun to listen to. Anyway, next up, Steve Alford. He played on Bob Knight's Indiana Hoosier squad from 83 to 87. And his first year uh, shooting, he, he played, was the first year they had the three-point line. And that year, he was a 53% three-point shooter. He averaged 19.5 points per game, almost three rebounds per game, and over three assists per game. Two-time consensus All-American, and is the all-time... Leading score at Indiana with uh, 2,438 points, almost 2,500 points. He's the first ever player on Indiana squad to be named a team MVP four times, which, considering the legacy and history of the Hoosiers, is, is quite an accomplishment. He actually beat Michael Jordan in the 1984 NCAA tournament. 
He was a Big Ten MVP, NCAA champion in 1987, uh, three-time All-Big Ten team. He actually won Olympic gold as a 19-year-old freshman. And during Olympic training camp, Jordan bet him that he wouldn't last four years with Indiana. And, of course, Steve Alford ended up winning the $100 bet. He was drafted by the Mavericks in 1987, 26th overall, playing one year for the Warriors and then going into coaching. Um, he coaches for Nevada now and actually led, uh, uh, before he went to Nevada, he led UCLA to the Pac-12 championship in, 19, uh, in 2014, where they, as you may remember, beat the Ducks in the quarterfinals 82-63. to We're going to take a quick break and talk Michael Jordan and Nancy uh, Lieberman, both great stories. Welcome back to Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, and I'm your host, and we're discussing the 64 greatest college basketball players of all time, Midwest region, according to ESPN. We already talked about Bill Walton and Steve Alford. Next up, number two best uh, college basketball player in this in, in this region, Michael Jordan versus Nancy Lieberman. Great, great story there. Uh, so starting with Michael Jordan, uh, he played, uh, you know, University of North Carolina uh, from 1981 to 1984. And yes, a lot of you say, okay, oh, we all know who Michael Jordan is. We all know some of this history. We all know who Bill Walton is and stuff like that. But first of all, there, there might not be a lot of folks out there. There might be some folks out there who do not know. And I'm going to be mentioning names that you might not have ever heard of. And uh, everybody deserves the same amount of respect on here. I'm not just going to say, well, Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan. Move on. Plus, there are a couple of surprises uh, with very short or abridged college careers that we're going to want to talk about on the Friday Review Show. Anyway, Michael Jordan had the freshman game-winning shot uh, in 1982 against Georgetown, who uh, on, on whose team uh, Patrick Ewing was playing. So this was like a rivalry that predated uh, their rivalry in the NBA. But he went on to win uh, as a freshman the NCAA championship. He averaged 54% shooting in his career, five rebounds per game, and 17.7 points per game. He was a two-time Consensus All-American. And remember, Consensus All-American means that he was voted All-American. And usually if I'm saying All-American, unless I otherwise say so, I'm talking first-team All-American. He was a two-time Consensus first-team All-American, two-time Olympic gold medalist. He actually skipped his senior year to enter the draft. Ended up being drafted third overall by the Bulls. And if you may not be familiar, or if you are familiar, I like talking about it. He was actually drafted behind Hakeem Olajuwon who the draft, uh, the, the, was drafted by the Rockets, and Sam Bowie, who the Trailblazers drafted. And I hope we get, get a chance to get into this on Friday, but uh, ESPN called Sam's pick by the Blazers the worst draft in North American sports history. So interesting little, little tidbit there. Now, Nancy Lieberman, so fascinating to me. I have to be honest and say that I didn't know the details of her story career until uh, I really started uh, digging deep into it. She played for Old Dominion and uh, from 1976 to 1980, and this is actually before the NCAA women's era. Uh, the NCAA did not have a women's division until 1981-1982 season. So her, her entire career was played uh, in the AIAW, that's the Association for Intercollegiate Athletics for Women, where she won two champions championships also. Uh, the, the National Inv Invitational Tournament had a women's division back then, and she's a, a women's National Invitational Tournament champion as well. She's the first ever 
two-time winner of the Wade Trophy, which is essentially a, a, a Player of the Year award. She's the Broderick Award winner, a three-time Kodak All-American. And don't forget, this is at a time when women's collegiate uh, basketball did not have the same recognition, the same status that it does now or even did in the following years, in the subsequent years when they opened an NCAA division. She was actually nicknamed Lady Magic uh, as comparison to Magic Johnson. She has a school record at Old Dominion for 961 uh, assists. In her career, she actually has 2,430 points, uh, almost 1,200 rebounds, and like I just mentioned, uh, 960 assists. And she's actually uh, only 29 assists short of being in that club that Sabrina founded, right? Uh, 2K plus points, 1,000 uh, K rebounds, or 1K rebounds, and 1K assists. So, uh, but... Uh, Lady Magic also had 562 steals. Now, Sabrina, who's outstanding, who we're going to talk about later, uh, had 207. But that that is just such all-around good ball playing. I, I, it's, I find it phenomenal. She did average 18, just over 18 points per game. And she was drafted by the Phoenix Mercury in 1997. Okay, that was the, uh, the, the inaugural year of the WNBA draft. And... The year before that, she was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame at age 39. So I think she, and, and please hit me up on Twitter at hashtags AskLodPod, hashtag AskLODPOD, if this is this is telling tales out of school, but I'm pretty sure she's the oldest player to ever be drafted at, at almost 40. She then actually broke her own record as the oldest player of basketball when she played for the Detroit Shock in 2008-2009. Now check this out. There was this big brawl between the Detroit Shock and the LA Sparks and frankly I, I watched the the whole brawl unfold and it was it was massive now no players stormed the court but or no I'm sorry no fans stormed the court but it involved a ton of players I think there were five ejections a coach was ejected uh, on top of that and the suspensions resulted in some openings now Lieberman was an, a host on ESPN at the time, and she got a call from the uh, manager of the the Shock, and they asked her to come play because they were short on players. And so, uh, at 50 years old, she became the oldest basketball player in history to play NBA or, uh, in a professional basketball game. Uh, she did start on the bench, but came out and only had a few assists. But uh, it was funny. She said her goal was to stand with the other players, and you wouldn't be able to tell her apart from the uh, 25-year-olds in, in the group. Um, and it's funny, too. Not funny. It's, it's doggone interesting. At 18 years old, she became the youngest basketball player to win uh, the Olympics, and, and they got silver that year. But the, the youngest basketball player to win in the Olympics, as well as the oldest player to play basketball, and she's actually now an assistant coach for the Sacramento Kings. So that's the kind of storied career and accomplishments that just blow me away. Nancy Lieberman. I think we'll be bringing her up when we talk about uh, disappointing placements, if you will, on on the, on this list. And she's ranked 15th uh, in the Midwest Division. Number three, Cheryl Miller is next up, along with number 14, Chris Weber. Now, Cheryl was a Trojan from 1982 to 1986. And in her freshman and sophomore year, she won two consecutive NCAA titles with USC. And she played the position of forward, but she was only six foot two. 
And they were actually runner-up. They, they got second place in the NCAA tournament during her senior year. She's a three-time Knifesmith Award winner, a two-time All-American, won the Wade Trophy one year. And uh, in her senior year, she was Sports Illustrated's best college uh, basketball player, male or female. She leads USC in scoring with over 3,000 points. Uh, averaging 23 and a half, more than 23 and a half points per game, and which is good for 10th all time in the NCAA. And she has over 1,500 rebounds, averaged 12 rebounds per game, which is third all time in the NCAA. And her USC record of 320 blocks was beaten uh, by one block. So Lisa Leslie has 321 blocks, and we talked about her uh, her yesterday. The, she was the first USC basketball player to have her jersey retired. So the first first uh, basketball athlete at Trojan to have her, her jersey retired, number 31. And she was a 1984 Olympic gold medalist. She actually coached USC starting in 86, right out of uh, college. And she actually now coaches at Cal State. She's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame, and the uh, FIBA Hall of Fame as, as a player. Um you know, this is an instance where I would think that uh, Nancy Lieberman might actually have the the basketball chops accolades in the history to be higher on this list. So this is one where I'd like to hear some input from the audience on hashtags AskLodPod as to what you think, uh, how these rankings are going so far. Next up, we got Chris Weber, who played for Michigan 1991 and 1993. And he won back-to-back, he won consecutive NCAA titles as well as part of what they were calling back then the Fab Five. It was him, Juwan Howard, Jalen Rose, Jimmy Kink, and Ray Jackson. They were all freshmen. They were all freshmen in the same year. And they took uh, Michigan to -to back-to-back titles. They ended up losing, but uh, they played in back-to-back title games. And they were the first team ever to compete in the NCAA championship game with five starting freshmen in that year. Uh, he averaged 17 points per game and 10 rebounds per game, so averaging a double-double. He played only for two years, and he might actually be best known or remembered for trying to call a timeout when no timeouts remained in the final, like I think it was like the 11 seconds left in that 1993 NCAA title game. They were down 73-71 to against uh, the Tar Heels, and that timeout that he attempted to call resulted in a technical foul, right? Because you got no timeouts left to give you a tech. And uh, they ended up losing. He was a Naismith Player of the Year award winner, a Wooden finalist, uh, a consensus All-American. Uh, the awards, though, have been vacated. Uh, Chris Weber actually accepted two hundred grand from a local booster. And consequently, uh, in, in the investigation of that, he wound up being convicted of perjury. He was barred from uh, watching... University of Michigan, athlete, uh, barred from University of Michigan events, athletic events. But he did, He there, there's a story, he did go to the 2013 NCAA championship game and watched from a suite while the rest of the Fab Five sat, uh, had courtside seats. Uh, he was drafted first overall by the Orlando Magic in 1993, subsequently traded for the Warriors, though, where he played for them. And then he played for the Bullets slash Wizards. He played for the Kings, the 76ers, the Pistons, and finally played with the Warriors again in 1998 to close out his career. 
We still have a long way to go today, and there's a lot of good players on this list that are fun to talk about. I may be breaking it up over a couple of shows. We shall see what we get through. Next up, we have number four in the Midwest region, David Thompson. And he'll be facing off against number 13, Brittany Griner. So Midwest region, working our way down, number four versus number 13. Before we get to that, though, we're going to go ahead and take another quick break and be right back. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Ducks. My name is Jordan Long, your host, and we are talking about the 64 greatest basketball players, college basketball players of all time, according to ESPN. We are discussing the Midwest region, and next up we got David Thompson and Brittany Griner. So at number four, David Thompson played for North Carolina State from 1972 to 1975 and led them to an undefeated season in 73. His recruitment actually violated NCAA rules, uh, so they actually weren't allowed. He wasn't. They weren't allowed in the tournament that year. But 1974, on the other hand, was a very interesting year. So, spoiler alert: North Carolina State did win it all, but it, they went 30 and one, and their only loss was to UCLA earlier in the season, where they just got. I mean, they got a drubbing, a 20-point loss. But uh, incidentally, remember we were talking about Bill Walton having an 88-game winning streak uh, with UCLA. That streak was snapped in the 1974 season with two consecutive losses. First one to Oregon State University and then to the University of Oregon. So let's hear it for the boys from Oregon. Uh, anyway, they, they advanced, that is, uh, North Carolina State advanced to the ACC tournament where they defeated Maryland, a very good Maryland team. That team might have even been better than North Carolina State that year. But because only uh, conference champions were allowed an NCAA tournament at the time, uh, North Carolina State ended up advancing. They beat Providence and Pittsburgh to go to the Final Four. Then they actually beat UCLA in a major revenge game and then went on to uh, beat Marquette and win it all. That loss by Maryland is actually what prompted the NCAA to expand the tournament to include additional teams, not just conference winners. I, I believe it went from 25 teams to 35 teams, but you'll have to you'll have to check me on that. So David Thompson was actually Luke Skywalker before it was cool. And I say that because they nicknamed him Skywalker because he had this huge vertical leaping ability. Um, he actually is credited with inventing the alley-oop with his teammate Monty Toe, uh, Think I'm not sure if we're going to talk about uh, or we're going to get to. In the last season of his last year, he had one and only one dunk. Now, it's, it's interesting because dunks were illegal at this point. Uh, so when he dunked it, it was disallowed and he received a technical foul due to what was called the Alcindor rule, which, of course, you know, well, we talked about Lou Alcindor already. Perhaps better known to our listeners as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who broke the game by being able to dunk at will, even from a standstill. And so from 1967 to 1975, dunking was uh, against the rules. Thompson ended up being drafted first overall by the Hawks and was traded to the Nuggets, where he played from 1975 to 1982. And then he played for the Supersonics, yes, Seattle Supersonics, for the last couple of years of his career. 
Next up, we'll talk about Brittany Griner. She played for Baylor from 2009 to 2013, a much more recent player. Uh, I like to call her the Baylor block monster because she's a, a blocking machine. Uh, get She got the team's first ever triple-double, 34 points, 13 rebounds, 11 blocks, two-time Naismith and Wooden Award winner. She had a perfect season with 40-0, winning the NCAA title in 2012, also winning the final four most outstanding player that year. She's fourth all-time in the NCAA in scoring with 3,283 points, uh, two-time AP All-American, two-time Wade Trophy, three-time Big 12 Player of the Year. She leads the NCAA in blocks with 748 blocks. So so like I said, the Baylor block monster, the the Lady Bears of Baylor block monster, it, for those of you who like it alliteratively. She was the second ever woman to dunk two times in a single game. She's an Olympic gold medalist. She was drafted first overall by the Phoenix Mercury in 2013 and still plays for them to this day. I think we have time to do one more. We're going to do number five, Maya Moore, versus number 12, Steph Curry. And here in a minute, you're going to learn why I like to go into all the details about careers when we talk about Steph Curry. Uh, but first up, Maya Moore, fifth greatest college basketball player in ESPN's Midwest division played for UConn from 2007 to 2011 uh, consecutive per perfect seasons two-time NCAA champ those years and four-time final four uh, in addition to those get, getting to the championship round and she was actually final four most outstanding player three-time Wade Trophy two-time Wooden Award two-time Naismith Award a two-time academic All-American you know I have a uh, a special soft spot in my heart for the smart ones. Uh, she was UConn's scoring leader with 3,036 points and was named Big East Freshman Player of the Week rec a record 10 times. And that actually eclipsed Rebecca Lobo's record of seven times. And if you remember, we talked about Re Rebecca Lobo, uh, I think, on the review show previous to this one. Maya averaged in her career 19... Almost 20 points per game, uh, eight plus rebounds per game, three and a half assists per game, two steals per game, almost one and a half blocks per game. I love the all around players. I love the players that can do everything. She was definitely, she is definitely one of those. She was the uh, number one overall pick in 2011, played for the Lynx for eight years, actually now plays for a Russian women's basketball team, uh, UMMC Ekaterinburg. So, uh, I've never heard of him. Maybe y'all have. Uh, let's go ahead and we can talk. We can do Steph Curry. And then uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up for today and finish up the rest tomorrow. So uh, Steph Curry uh, played for Davidson. Uh, the, and that's the Davidson Wildcats. Now, I, I know if you hadn't have ever heard of St Stephen Curry, you'd never hear of Davidson. But played for them from 2006 to 2009. NCAA freshman season record of 113 three-pointers. And in his freshman year, they lost to Maryland as a 13 seed in the first round. And they lost 82 to 70 in the first round of the NCAA tournament that year. And then his sophomore year, he actually willed the team. He put them all on his back. And, and what a prolific scorer he was in college, like he is today, or, or, or was before he got injured this year. But uh, his sophomore year, he basically put Davidson on his back and had comeback victories to win the first three rounds and ended up losing to Kansas in the Elite Eight. In his junior year, 
they failed to even make the NCAA tournament, losing to uh, SoCon, that's South Conference, Southern Conference, SoCon tournament semifinals uh, to the College of Charleston. Uh, he was the NCAA scoring leader in his senior year, and uh, or I'm sorry, his junior year, 2009. He was a consensus All-American, uh, first first team in 2009, and a consensus second team All-American in 2008, and uh, two-time SoCon Player of the Year. Yeah, uh, that's that's all there is really to Steph Curry's college career. So uh, that's why I like to include all the details because when there aren't that many details and they have incredibly unremarkable performances, other than being a super prolific scorer for a team that lost to the College of Charleston in the SoCon Regional Tournament in his junior year, uh, you know, I, I'll save it for Friday. We'll talk about it on Friday. That's going to do it for now. This has been... Locked on Ducks, your daily source for info, updates, and analysis on your Oregon Ducks football and basketball with a whole lot of fun uh, ways to spend our time during coronavirus. You might call it the Locked on Lockdown. I don't know. Uh, I, I make light of it, but the truth of the fact is we have a lot of time on our hands uh, here at home, and I mean us listeners, and it's always nice to have someone bringing us content every day that they can. So I like to be here for you. I also ask that you be there for me. Contact me on social media. Use at uh, the dustoff guy on Twitter to get to me directly, or you can follow the show at Locked On Ducks. And you can always reach out to the show with questions, comments, ideas, suggestions. I really want to hear feedback from you all on how you might do this list differently uh, using the hashtags #AskLodPod. That's hashtags Ask L O D P O D. If you're Listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave five out of five stars review. If you don't think I deserve five stars, please leave five anyway. And tell me why in a review, and I'll see to it that I can try and fix whatever it is that kept you from wanting to leave five stars. And uh, click subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Uh, In the meantime, uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. I'm going to go ahead and drop this right now and then come back to you tomorrow with uh, the remainder of the Midwest region of 64 greatest uh, college basketball players of all time. Have a great evening and go Ducks!